If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, Sheeks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out of blanket so you sleep deeper longer and better and chic's bedding looks as good as it feels colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you and right now you can try chic's for 30 nights risk-free just go to sleepcoolnow.com use promo code 1212 and get 40 dollars off any sheet set that's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212 sleepcoolnow.com 1212 This is our number two of the World According to Zig podcast for this June 25th, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I am the host of this show, which is still one of the very few places where you can get the real truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And in our number two, we uh, generally are joined by a special guest. This week, thankfully, is no exception to that, although we have to thank our guest profusely for filling in at the last moment because we got stiffed by Brian Stelter from CNN. But this is going to be actually much better anyway because we're going to be joined by a guy I've been wanting to speak to for a long time. He's former GOP congressman and current Salem radio talk show host, nationally syndicated talk show host, Joe Walsh. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John, I'm honored to be with you. I really actually mean that. I do. Well, let's, ho- let's hope you feel, still feel that way at the end of the, <laughs> the interview. <laughs> now, one of the reasons, Joe, I find you very interesting is that, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you uh, fill a unique, a truly unique space in this uh, strange Trump world in which we now live. Uh, And that is that you are as enthusiastic a Trump supporter as there is at times, yet you will also vigorously disagree with him at times, which I find I I can't think of anybody else who fills that space. Am I correct about that? Uh, You are, John. But but again, you know my world uh, better than I do. I've only been doing radio three years. This is this is a weird dance that you have to dance in this age of Trump. But, I, I mean, look, I think it's easy. I'm like you. I'm a free market, limited government conservative. All I care about is the issues. When Trump advances those issues, I hug him. When he doesn't, and he often doesn't, I slap him upside the head. I can't stand people like Hannity and all these other people who act like Trump's towel boy all the time. That just makes no sense to me. Why is it that you think, though, that, People like you, if, 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 if you, you know, you may not be the only one. I know some people might claim that Mark Levin is in that category, but I, I disagree. Mm-hmm. I, I think Levin, you do you agree with that or not? I, I, I agree with you. I, I think, and I actually like Levin a lot, John, but it seems like Mark sold his soul a little bit as well. 
Yeah, fair enough. I agree with that, and I've written columns about that uh, for media, which it sounds like you might have read uh, from time yeah. to time. So, so, but let's let's presume that you're one of the very few people that occupies this space to which I referred. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that with Trump more than any other? political figure that I can think of, at least on the Republican slash conservative, whatever that means in this day and age side. Why is it that with Trump, it's really pretty much all or nothing, do you think? Well, because he conflicts the hell out of us. You and I know at his core, he's not a conservative. He doesn't have a core. Um, He's a sledgehammer. We elected a sledgehammer to blow up the system. Now, even I, I would think, John, even guys like you and I, free market limited government guys, there's something damn appealing about sending somebody to Washington to to blow the whole place up. So there's a part of us that likes that, knowing he's not conservative. But I think in in my business, John, again, a business you know well, the best place to be is to be a Trump cheerleader if you care about ratings. Uh, And and every time I'm on the radio and I criticize Trump, um, I know I'm losing listeners. But I, I, I do think, John, it's changing day by day and week by week. I think all of these Trump heads out there, um, they're beginning to just kind of wise up a little bit and understand that he doesn't walk on water like we knew Obama didn't walk on water. It's funny that you make the comparison to Obama because I think that Obama and Trump are in many ways exceedingly similar. I think their runs to the presidency we're very similar. I'm talking about from a personality standpoint, yeah. a cult of personality uh, perspective. Uh, I believe Jason Chavitz, uh, retiring from Congress, just said that very similarly that the Trump presidency is is incredibly uh, uh, similar yeah. to what happened with Barack Obama. Would you agree with that, by the way, before we, we move on to other topics? A- absolutely. And again, we do not elect kings. We do not worship our presidents or our politicians. The left does that. They, you know, again, they, John, they believed Obama was like a messiah. He was their black right. messiah. We don't do that on our side. But you're right. There's been much too much of that with Trump. All right. Well, let's go back to what you said before about being a talk radio host in this very strange era. And you said that you know that when you criticize Trump, you're going to lose listeners. Now, Absolutely. It, it sounds like... Uh, well, maybe you, you should just tell me, uh, since this is an interview, does that, is that something you care about? Is that, or, and how much do you care about that? How much, does that? how much does that factor in to your equation when deciding when to criticize Trump and, do how, and how vigorously to, to criticize Trump? Hey, John, it doesn't factor in at all. And maybe this is the last thing Salem wants to hear, but I don't give a damn about ratings and listeners. I, again, you, I, hate, I hate to keep saying this, but... You've been in this business for a long time. So I grab that microphone for three hours every night, and I can, I can only say what I think. I cannot tell a lie. I cannot fake anything. People ask me all the time, is it difficult to do what you do, uh, knowing that every day there's going to be good Trump and bad Trump, and how are you going to position yourself, and you want people to listen to you? And I say, no, I don't think of any of that. I, it was the same way I was when I was a member of Congress. I just say what I believe, period. Now, uh, so I don't care, John, about ratings. Now, but what I do believe is, I do believe the tide is slowly going to turn. And I think guys like Hannity and these guys who all they care about is ratings, 
I think the day's going to come where that's going to bite him in the ass. I really do. I want to talk more to you about that in a second, but I just want to make sure we flesh out this this other issue. So here, here you are. You don't care. Give a damn about ratings. You tell it like you think it is, uh, which, by the way, 20 years ago would have made you a talk radio star. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Um, today, uh, you might want to look for another line of work, uh, you know, in, in case this one doesn't work out. I'm not saying it's not going to work out, Joe, but, yeah. but I'm saying that you might want to have a plan B just in case, well, because it's, that's it's not because the way this, you understand what I'm saying. That's not the no, way know, this thing works anymore. Saying. I know what you're saying, but see, it, again, I'm not a never Trumper. See, and, and maybe this, maybe this is just semantics. It, it's really not about Trump to me. I really don't give a damn about Trump. It's all about the issues to me. Mm-hmm. I want my taxes cut. I want Muslims to stay the hell out of this country. Mm-hmm. I want the wall built. I want government out of my life. I try to focus as much as I can on my radio show on issues because right. that's all I care about. Right. Trump is like ancillary. I mean, he right. look, Neil Gorsuch, and, he's, and Trump's done some great things on his own, hacking away at government regulations. But I don't make my show about Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been very upfront that Russia screwed with our election. Right. And I think Trump has acted like an ass right. with this whole Russia thing. Yes. But I, don't, I do not believe the issue front and center is Trump. It's about getting back this country that I think we've already lost. Okay, well, and, and you raised another bunch of things I want to ask you about. But, but just with regard to the business of talk radio, is it more than just the listeners that you know you're going to lose when you criticize them. And may, maybe, by the way, you, you are in, in a unique situation. I keep using that word, but I think it's accurate because you have street cred with the Trump fans because you've been such a big supporter of him at times that maybe you can get away yeah. you can get away with more than others can. But is it more than just the listeners? Is there, is there an overall feeling within the industry of talk radio that you have to toe the line with regard to Trump? And is there pressure to do so? Uh, you know, I, I don't think so, John. I, look, I think if you're an out-and-out never-Trumper, you can't be on the radio right now. Correct. There's no way. <laughs> you know that better than anybody. There's right. no way you can have a radio show. Right. Uh, so, so you and I know the names, so most everybody gravitates toward, I'm going to be a Trump cheerleader. But I, I, I do think business-wise, uh, no, I, I think people are open to honest brokers, And look, John, again, this is easy to me. There's nothing calculating about this. I supported Trump and I voted for him, but I knew who the hell he was. I knew he wasn't a conservative. I knew he was a sledgehammer. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've seen it change. A month and a half, two, three months ago, I got much more pushback from people and and from business people when I said, I'm going to be an honest broker with this guy. And there was resistance in January and February. I've seen that wall break down a little bit, even with my listeners. And, John, maybe part of it is, look, the guy screws up on a daily basis. And I think even Trump supporters are realizing that a little bit more. Hmm. All right. So that's a great segue to to getting back to what I wanted to to get more into uh, with regard to your prediction that the Hannity's of the world are going to eventually suffer. And by the way, John, can can I make one other quick point? Sure, sure. My former colleagues in Congress, my Freedom Caucus guys, that's, yeah. that's who I was, was a Freedom Caucus guy. In private, they, they, they feel like you and I do. In private, they, they, know, they know who Trump is. They know he's not a conservative. Right. But, but even inside the House, John, they've had to suck it up. 
for political reasons, but they know who this guy is. Right, but they can't criticize him publicly because they they know it's not going to be worth the trouble. And uh, and, exactly. So so okay. So so you you said something very interesting. You think the tide is turning, that eventually the the rating whores like uh, Sean Hannity and others like him, the Trump cheerleaders are going to, to suffer for that. I, I don't see that yet, but but maybe you're seeing something that I don't. What are you basing that on? Other than, I mean, you've already referenced that you're getting less heat yeah. when you criticize Trump. But you know what, Joe, that could be because the biggest Trump fans have just stopped paying attention to you because you, you criticize them. So they tend to they don't like hearing <laughs> stuff they don't want to hear. So so they might not be around to, to give you heat anymore. I'm just putting that out there as a possibility. So on what are you basing uh, that as- assessment? And John, I can again. A lot of this is anecdotal, but but people who push back at me and hit back hard at me in January, February, and March are no longer doing that. Listener wise and business wise, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think I think the the great mass of Trump supporter out there is wising up to the fact that we elected a guy to blow up D.C., but he's going to make mistakes sometimes. And we got to do what guys like Walsh do. We we got to treat him like our drunk uncle and help him. And, and when he goes off the the deep end, we've got to be there and criticize him and help him. I just think more and more of the Trump supporters are feeling that way. And guys like Hannity, unlike you and unlike me, they just follow the wind. And I I think I think as the audience changes over these four years of Trump. Uh, guys like Hannity, I think, are going to be forced to suck it up and eat some uh, humble pie. Boy, I, nobody would be happier if you were right. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, as a pessimist at heart, uh, I'm not wedded to that belief to begin with, and I, I don't see the evidence of it yet. Uh, when you look, you know, there's there's a little bit of weakening within Trump's core if you look at the polls yeah. in the internals, yeah. but it's not dramatic. And it and it and it and yeah, Fox News Channel's not doing well in the ratings. Uh, but you also have to remember they've had an enormous amount of upheaval. You know, O'Reilly is gone. Uh, obviously, MSNBC and CNN are doing better because of all of the anti-Trump fervor. So there's a lot of factors going on here. I'm not saying you're wrong. I would love to see you be right. It's just I haven't seen any evidence to indicate that that's no, where and, we're headed. And, 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 John, you're right. And, and interesting, when you do look at the polls on Trump, some of his base has fallen off. A little I mean, bit. Numbers, a little, a little bit. bit. Not dramatic. Uh, but, when you consider, though, here's yeah. Joe, here's the thing. When you consider what has happened over the last I several months, I mean— I keep going back to it. It's amazing we live in this world, and I believe Trump has desensitized us, maybe on purpose. But when you consider that the day after firing the FBI director, the President of the United States had a Russian spy in the Oval Office and told him that the reason why he fired the FBI director was because he was feeling heat on the Russia investigation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is something that would bring down any other president, certainly in my lifetime, and maybe in the history of the country. And yet it's but been largely yeah. forgotten. Yeah, but and, and you're right, John, you're right. And, and look, but, but here's the deal with Trump. I mean, yeah, he's a, in many ways, you could say he's a bad guy and he lies. And personally, you and I wouldn't like him. But look, 
Hillary Clinton was a bad person. You and I may disagree on Obama. I think at his core, Obama was a bad person, especially when I think about what he wanted to do to this country. I think, I think there are so many people out there that are sick of politicians. They think they're all bad people. And along comes this guy, Trump, and he's at least honest about what a jerk he is. <laughs> and, and, and he's honest in his dishonesty. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he lies honestly about well, that. He lies honestly. Yeah. And, 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 it's like what your, your, your guy Brian Stalter at CNN wrote, wrote or said this morning, that Fox and Friends is an infomercial for Trump. Well, hell yeah, it is. But, right. but that's how we have felt about CNN and ABC and NBC and all of them for Obama for eight years. Uh, in, and look, Joe, and I agree with you on that, and I sympathize. Nobody hates the mainstream news media more than I do, okay? Bingo. I, I, I'm, Bingo. But, but here's, what I, here's where I differ and where I think, you know, for instance, I think Andrew Breitbart, who, whose name is now bizarrely connected to Trump in a lot of ways, right, right. Uh, and I was very close to him for, for several years before having a falling out with Andrew before he died, I, I think Andrew would hate Trump's crusade against the media because it's not about substance, it's about protecting Trump. Trump doesn't. Trump isn't in this to change the culture or to change bias. He's in this to use conservatives understandable and legitimate distrust of the media in his favor so that we won't believe anything negative they say about him and that agreed agreed john agreed that's trump and that's trump's motivation but trump supporters trump voters even somebody like me who's trying to be an honest broker with trump i love the we love the fact that he pounds the media all the time and even though look i know like you just said i know why he's doing it but still, it's time, and it's about time somebody did it. I just wish it was based in substance and it was credible. And frankly, I think Trump is such a liar that the more vigorously he goes after the media on an issue, I presume, oh, they must be telling the truth about this. I mean, because yeah, I— and the, Yeah, and the problem with Trump, John, you know nothing he does is based on substance. Right. Well, so we, we, yeah. And, and, and so so let's go back to you, you. You want to talk about the issues and you've referenced a couple times, Joe, about how you want someone to blow up Washington. And I'm look, I'm all for I'm all for it if it's done properly and, you know, with, effectively. I, I can't stand politicians as much as I can't stand the news media uh, by and large. But but I don't see any evidence that he's actually doing that. I mean, for I'll give you an example, and it's amazing to me that this hasn't gotten mu- much publicity at all, even though it was on the cover of Time Magazine this week. Look what Trump has done with the Trump Hotel in D.C. As tr- Time Magazine put on the cover this week, uh, a swamp hotel. And here's a guy who gets elected, drain the swamp, drain the swamp. And, it, and that hotel is the swampiest thing anyone could ever imagine. I mean, the, the, the Clintons... In their worst right. day, couldn't imagine pulling off what Trump is doing there. So, so where's the blowing up of D.C.? I don't see it. Well, to, to your first point, John, you blow something up or you drain something or you tear something down, it, it's never going to be pretty. Uh, and, and look, that's why, again, I don't, to me, <laughs> this may not sound, this may sound weird. Again, to me, Trump's going to come and go. Trump is just. Look, I, I said it this morning. The Republican Party sucks. The Democrat Party sucks. 
The media sucks. The whole damn system's broken. That's why this guy got elected, John. I it, it had nothing, you know, it had nothing to do with conservatism. It had nothing to do with repealing Obamacare. The Republicans are not going to repeal Obamacare. It had nothing to do with issues except for illegals in this country. It was it was a a, a pissed off populist reaction, and and nobody knew what would come after Trump. But but you're right. As far as substance, Trump's not. Trump's not going to do anything in a nice, neat, clean fashion, and it's not going to make any sense, and it's not going to be consistent, because that's not who he is. Um, I'm, I'm, I, John, I think the country's lost. I think we're eight, nine years into the third American Revolution. We don't even know it yet. Trump is just like one one battle here. I mean, this is just the beginning, I think. Well, and, and, you, and this is where I think you and I philosophically differ. In that, and maybe it's because I now have two young kids, uh, I'm looking at this uh, longer range. I I get that as bad as Trump can be in the short run, and I'm talking the very short run, it's probably better that he's president than Hillary Clinton. If only, by the way, uh, for Neil Gorsuch and if Kennedy retires, you know, whoever he would presumably nominate would almost assuredly be better than whoever Hillary Clinton would nominate. And and, you know, there's some some decent things, although he I, I'm not a big executive order person, Joe. I think a lot of this is bull crap and, and a PR and it isn't going to going to impact very much. But yeah. so 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 my whole point on Trump has been, OK, in the very short run, we're marginally better off with him as president than Hillary. But in exchange, we are having to put up with an enormous amount of drama, number one. I mean, a ridiculous amount of drama. We're degrading the office of the presidency in, in, in obscene ways. And I believe, Joe, and you as a former congressman, can, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this. I think we are paving the way for a backlash from the left that's going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. And then and, and we, we will not even have our principles to defend ourselves with because we will have given them all up for this very short term gain, uh, which in the long run, we will rue the day that we made that deal. Where am I, where am I wrong on that? No, and, and, and John, that's the best standpoint you made right there, because there is going to be a backlash. But to your, to your second point, I think, where you said, Trump is debasing the office and the presidency. Yeah, well, maybe, but so would have Hillary. And again, so did Obama. I mean, I, I, look, I think that office has been debased for a while. If I said Trump is a bad guy, uh, again, Hillary's a bad person. So it doesn't matter to me what he's doing personally. Now, to your more important point, look, I, I genuinely believe the left is organized and pissed off. The left never thought he'd get elected. Uh, the, the Tea Party wave that got me elected in 2010, I think there is another wave coming on the left next year. I think the Democrats are going to take back the House unless the Republicans actually cut taxes and, and actually do something. I agree with you, John, because nobody thought on the left Trump was going to win. And they are out for bear. And it, you just look at Georgia, South Carolina, Kansas. Democrats are way overperforming in these districts. Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because this to me is classic Trump. You know, Trump, of course, took credit 
and took a victory lap for for these two special elections in Georgia and South Carolina. Now, you as a congressman, could you please tell people how utterly ridiculous it is? Let me let's take Georgia for a second. Here we have a guy who doesn't live in the district, who looks like pajama boy with no experience at all, all his money from California and and from Hollywood. Uh, He has to get uh, engaged during the campaign because it's a pure political move. He's a horrendous candidate in a as red a district as about as you can find in Georgia. And And he he almost won. And he he almost won. won. And he almost won against a credible candidate. So how is that good news for Republicans? It's not. And, And John, I went on the radio this past week and said, hey, Republicans, don't get ahead of your skis, man. You, I, I think we took a hit in Georgia. Look at the same damn night, John, in South Carolina. That was Mick Mulvaney's old district. He won that district six months ago by 21 points, and nobody paid attention to that race, and the Democrat only lost by three. I'm telling you, John Ziegler, there is a wave coming on the left. Yeah. They are as pissed off as we were in 2010, and, and the Republic, the average Republican voter out there is demoralized and depressed. Okay, but okay, so you're making my argument for me, Joe. So then let's play this out. Well, if there is the backlash that you and I think is coming, then we have we've we've literally given up the filibuster uh, to 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 defend ourselves. We we given up all of our principles. We we can't be critical. Uh, credible in attacking the other side for anything short of murder with regard to, you know, principles or ethics or, 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 or lying, what have you. So so how is what we're getting in the short run going to be worth what we will pay in the long run? Well, but but a, a, some, the, the assumption your question, John, is that the average voter last November should have thought, Okay, if if Trump wins, then there's going to be a backlash in 2018. Now, again, (laughs) you and I might have thought that, but the average voter's not going to realize that, and the average voter shouldn't think that. The choice, again, I wish you and I had talked before the election, it was him or her. Uh, You're not thinking about what's happened two or four years down the road. Why not? him or her last November. How can you make that decision? Let me give you an example. This is the metaphor I always use. You know, I don't use drugs, Joe. You know why I don't use drugs? I'm sure that done properly, drugs can be a lot of fun. But guess what? The track record in the long run sucks. So I, I have made it a conscious decision that, you know, even though my life can sometimes be very difficult and boring and might be better in the short run if I went on a drug binge or an alcohol binge, I don't do that because I don't want to end up in the gutter vomiting in, in five, ten years. So why is that such a difficult series of decisions to make? Well, True, but then does that mean Trump is the drug that's going to put you in the gutter vomiting? Yes. And what was Hillary? What, what, John, Hillary, what Hillary was a virus we could survive. <laughs> no. Hillary, Hillary was a virus we could survive and maybe even prosper from because she would have been a completely inept and ineffective president with a Republican Congress. And then we, we wouldn't have lost the Congress in 2018. We probably would have gained seats, especially in the Senate with the map the way that it is. And then 2020, we could actually nominate Marco Rubio and kick the shit crap out of her. So, but, John, but from my perspective and a lot of people, I don't give a damn about the Republican Party. We think the Republican Party is done anyways. I have zero faith. I mean zero faith that you put the Republican Party in charge of anything. They're going to get anything done. Look what's going on now. John, right. get, get me to the end. Get me to where it all blows up. I, I, I want to 
I right. want to start something. Well, so. let's talk. Let's talk about the issues, since you know you, you say that's the focus of your national syndicated radio show, and you, you hit Trump when he deserves it. You support him when you think he deserves it. A lot of the list that you gave for for what you think are the greatest priorities for Trump and the things most important to you, we've si- we've seen no sign of progress on at all. Yep. Like specifically yep. the wall, specifically tax reform, uh, you know, and, and several other things. So where are you on that? Are you starting to get antsy? Uh, I was antsy four months ago, and it, <laughs> so so when I when I hit Trump hard, it's usually issues based. I think this whole Obamacare thing was an absolute screw-up. Uh, fa- we should have cut taxes right at the beginning. Um, and the fact that we, he, he assigned a budget with not a dime in there for a wall. I mean, Ann Coulter's about ready to bail on him. John, if he doesn't deliver, especially on those two issues, then, then watch the barn door. I, I think you will get people like Ann Coulter and myself who will say, the hell with it, because all I care about is the issues. See, I don't think that there are going to be too many people like you or Ann. And I'm not even sure, by the way. I don't know what Ann's game is. Because Ann, Ann keeps saying she's getting a divorce, yeah. and then yeah. she stays with him. So, uh, And Ann is, at her heart, a capitalist. And, you know, yeah. you, you're a talk radio guy, so you are by you know are forced to be a capitalist uh, for all intents and purposes. You need an audience in order to keep your job. So, so the reality is there aren't too many people in influential positions within the whatever you want to call this, the conservative movement, it's no longer the conservative movement, but whatever it is, the state-run media uh, that you know Fox News Channel is and a lot of talk radio is. Right. Uh, right. So, so I don't see too many people within that abandoning him unless the cult abandons him first. And the cult is so invested. I mean, they are literally psychologically, emotionally invested in Trump at least not being a disaster, because if he's a disaster, they're a bunch of idiots. And and they got schnookered, and nobody wants to admit that they got duped. So I, now, I, I don't John, see... I, I can't, look, I, John, I can't argue with you. It's a small team photo when you look at the conservative thought leaders out there on radio or TV who will bail on this guy if he doesn't deliver on the issues. Limbaugh, Hannity, guys like that, they're not going to do it. You're right. Until the supporters bail, and then they will follow the supporters. I just, it's, maybe I won't have a radio show in a month. I mean it, but I just, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to keep saying what I think. And if he doesn't deliver on tax, I hammer him on tax cuts all the time. I hammer him on the wall all the time. And when I do that, though, by the way, John, half my listeners agree, which isn't bad. Well, that's pretty safe territory, and I think you're smart to do that, Joe. I mean, here you are. You want him to be held to what he promised during the campaign, in which a lot of his supporters, it's the reason why they were Trump fans to begin with. So I think you're on safe ground there, and I think you're smart to do that, and I think it's the right thing to do, because you truly do believe it and you mean it. So I'm all with you on that, and I don't think that's going to harm you very much. But let's talk more specifically about health care. You referenced that you thought it was a a major mistake. I assume you mean by the the order in which it went, but also I know you've been critical of the health care bills, because they are separate, the House and the Senate bills, uh, as we now know them. Tell me why you, you are critical of those. I went to Congress in 2010, John, to repeal Obamacare, all of it. I mean, every piece of it, period. For seven years, that's all I have screamed about from the mountaintop. What the Republicans are doing now is not a repeal. They are not. They, 
they have bought into the premise of Obamacare. Most, you know this. Most people don't know it. Most of the Republicans in D.C., they've already accepted Obamacare. Right. They don't want to repeal it. you right. got the Freedom Caucus and a few guys. That's it. Why, why do I not support what the House and the Senate are doing? Because it's not repealing Obamacare. End of story. Now, on the procedural thing, yeah. I mean, Trump, and, and Trump probably doesn't even know what's in the bills. I promise you he doesn't know what's in the bills. So he turned it over to Paul Ryan early on, and Paul Ryan devised his strategy of doing Obamacare first which was a big, stupid political mess. They should have cut taxes, and, and I, I would have just ignored it. John, I would have ignored it, and, and I would have let Obamacare just implode. You know, I and by the way, you know, Trump seemed to think that that was a good idea too. I, at least that would seem to be his instinct. Um, it, it would have been it would have been politically risky. But I, I have to tell you, of the options he had in front of him, letting it implode might have been the best one. And and I'm curious, do you think that it, effectively we might we might and this is giving republicans maybe too much credit but is it possible knowing what you know that either by design or by accident we could end up getting there because republicans put on a show of trying their best to pass what they're calling as obamacare repeal even though it's not an obamacare repeal and it never passes leaving obamacare in place to therefore then implode and in theory although this probably won't be the way it would work out in theory democrats still get the blame what do you make of that um i know this john mitch mcconnell's been in washington about 210 years but he's a smart crafty dude if i had to bet i think he's going to force a vote this week knowing it's going down and then he's going to put up his arms and say i'm done with it we did what we could now let's move on to tax cuts Mitch McConnell and Republicans, all I know, John, is they want this damn issue off of the front pages. You know, I agree with you about Mitch McConnell. I know him a little bit from my days in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm not a fan yeah. of his, but he is absolutely a political tactician. Yeah. And he, def- unlike Trump, who seems to live every day like he's going to die tomorrow, uh, McConnell does play chess as, a, yeah. as opposed to checkers. And so I could see McConnell doing this. I, under that scenario, I, I don't think it's a win-win-win for Republicans. It might just be the least bad scenario. Uh, because, you know, the some of the base will say, hey, look, and by the way, some of the base probably thinks we did repeal Obamacare because Trump had a, 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 a Rose Garden ceremony celebrating it. So so some of the base is going to think it was already repealed. Um, and so, you know, I, I that John, could, you're right. That's what's so that's what's so screwed up about this issue. There are people out there that believe what the House and the Senate have done and are doing is a repeal. So that that really kind of complicates this is this whole issue. But. Either way, I think the Republicans' goose is cooked because whether they pass something or not, the Democrats next year are going to run 23 million uninsured. I mean, the, the, the commercials are going to be, they're going to play Trump's quip, quip of. Uh, the, the House bill was mean. I mean, those commercials have already been. Well, you written. know, that was my next question for you because this to me uh, was one of the more underrated. Stories and this happens all the time with Trump because there's always yeah. so much to talk about. But uh, uh, when because I believe it was yesterday in, a, in an interview with Fox News, although it's not really Fox News, it was Fox and Friends, which shouldn't really count. But anyway, <laughs> the, the point the point is the point is that Trump effectively uh, confirmed the report that he had referred three times to members of Congress as yeah. the House bill as being mean. 
Now, um, if here's a guy, think about how insane that is to begin with. He holds a, a a joyful rose garden ceremony, which is unheard of for a bill this passing one chamber of the House, I mean, right. the Congress, uh, um, especially when you control theoretically both houses. And so, uh, so he holds this joyful celebration, and then he calls what the House did mean. Now, if you're as you were, if you're a congressman who voted for that. In a tough district, and you're running for re-election next year, what's your reaction to that, Joe? You're pissed off, but you won't say a damn thing. Trump cannot see a day in front of him. And the other thing, John, you and I know, Donald Trump has no core, period, which is why he can say repeal Obamacare one day, and he can say expand Medicaid the other day. He has no core. Um, And again, this drives, I can tell you, John, this drives conservatives in the House batty. They've told me this privately, but they can't say a damn thing. So he's made it more difficult, which is classic Trump. He's made it more difficult for him to keep the House majority in 2018, which, by the way, also increases the chances he'll be impeached. Correct? Uh, it, it most certainly does. <laughs> I mean, it's bizarre. <laughs> I mean, he's setting the stage for his own impeachment by making it more difficult for him to maintain control of the House. Because you know, am I correct, if the Democrats get more than a one or two vote majority in the House, which is going to be difficult, it's not, it is not a done deal because no, of gerrymand- right. gerrymandering is going to make it very difficult, but it is certainly within the realm of reason. Uh, I mean, they controlled it just a few years ago. So it is within the realm of reason that they could take the House back, especially given the results of this week, uh, despite what uh, Trump would tell you. So if they take the House by, you know, say five to ten Democratic votes, you agree with me. Trump's getting impeached, right? Uh, I I, well, you know what? I've always thought that, John, meaning that Nancy Pelosi and the Dems, that'll be their first order of business. But then I think and you're a historian as well, then I think of how the Republicans just got hammered when they pursued impeachment against Bill Clinton. And there's a part of me that thinks if the Democrats actually take over the House next year, they may wise up and understand that politically that could be a really bad thing heading into 2020. Well, they're not that smart, first of all. Um, You're probably right. As you know. Uh, Second of all, I agree with you that it would be a mistake. I'm not saying it's a smart move, depending on what the circumstances obviously are in, uh, you know, January of 2019. I have said numerous times if they do take the House, that Trump still will not get uh, removed from office because they'll never get, you know, two thirds in the Senate. So that's not going to that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, barring some cataclysmic event. And I can even see a scenario where an impeached President Trump wins re-election because I don't see who the Democrats are going to run that will be able to stay on the same stage with Trump from a stature well, and standpoint. Well, John, if, if, again, you're right, if he gets, if they, they cut taxes, they reform the tax code, and this, we actually get 2 3 4% growth going in this economy. I don't care. Uh, I do care. But all this Russia stuff and all the impeachment stuff, none of it will matter. 
if if he delivers and if the Republicans deliver. Yeah, but where's the, um, where's the, where's the evidence that that's going to happen? We, we've seen none of that yet, and and the honeymoon period is is over now, uh, and his approval ratings are are going to be stuck at best at forty percent, and you don't get much done uh, at forty percent, as you as you well know. Um, so so. Well, I agree, but then that, John, but again, and it's it's easy to hammer Trump. Uh, it's very easy to hammer Trump. Yeah. But if the damn Republicans then will deserve what they get, I can't emphasize enough how, to me, this is one of the biggest political stories of the, these first six months. The Republicans in Congress haven't done squat. They have not done anything. Um, and, and by the way, the average Trump supporter out there knows it and feels it, and they're pissed off at the Republicans. See, just to finish this thought, though, my, my nightmare scenario... <laughs> From a from a conservative perspective, is okay. Uh, Obamacare doesn't get taken care of, but as it implodes, we now have Democrats in charge of the House, and they get to decide: Do we impeach Trump, or do we have him by the short hairs and get him to give us single payer socialized medicine yeah. in return for not impeaching him? And I think Trump takes that deal. Uh, I, and I, he probably, but I agree with Charles Krauthammer, who said it. I think that book's already been written. You've got, what, 150 million Americans on Medicaid and Medicare. Obamacare is here to stay. We already have government-run health care. It's a small But it's going to get worse. Well, but, but see, but, well, hold on a second, though, Joe. So you're okay with, with Trump, event, uh, the scenario I'm laying no, out? Where, no, no. You're not I'm okay with saying, it. I think no, God, no. But I, I, I think that's a battle Republicans generally have already caved on. Okay, Government-run but, health care. But, 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 but hold on a second, Joe. This goes back to our difference on what would have the, the two paths that would have occurred had Trump won versus Trump lost. If Hillary's president, Republicans fight her to the death on this it's issue. Stand, it's, it's a standstill for four years. Nothing gets done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so. There's a, a very likely scenario where more socialism gets enacted because Trump won than could ever have been imagined under a Hillary presidency. Possibly, possibly. But then you're talking about as well two Supreme Court picks. Um, look, and Hillary on her own. Obama said a dangerous president at precedent. Hillary on her own as president could have executive ordered us to. Who knows where? I mean, you're still talking about a lot of bad stuff that Hillary could have done on her own. All right, Joe, before we let you go, and we've, we really appreciate you being so generous on short notice with your time. This has been a fascinating discussion. I'm a I, fan. John Ziegler, I'm a big fan of yours. No, I, I'm oh, a yeah. fan of yours, too. I, I didn't realize you were this uh, rational. I, I <laughs> 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 uh, but but uh, in, in all seriousness, I want to talk to you a little bit. You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, it, it seems like on Russia— I, correct me if I'm wrong. You're somewhere in the middle on this, maybe more towards Trump than certainly you are, certainly the mainstream news media. You see the concerns, obviously. I know you were been been against the firing of James Comey, but in general, you you think I'm guessing here that you think this is much ado about uh, very little. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I, I, here I, I make a big distinction. To me, uh, Russia has always been a big freaking deal. Because we know Russia interfered in our election. Right. To me, that issue is central. It should piss all of us off as, as Americans. And, John, it's the thing I'm most disappointed in Trump about. He finds that out after he wins. All the intelligence agencies say Russia screwed the election. And, and he gets defensive and doesn't say as president-elect, 
doggone it, get to the bottom of it. That's the most disappointing thing he's done. It's a big deal. Um, now, the whole did, did Team Trump collude, I, 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 want, I want the answer to that, John, and I say it all the time on the radio, and it pisses off my audience. I find it weird that a year or so later we have no nothing's leaked. I don't think there was collusion. But even if there wasn't collusion, Trump has acted like an ass. And he has obstructed, whether he's technically obstructed the investigation, he's obstructed. And he should be concerned that Russia interfered, and he hasn't been. That's a big deal. Okay, well, so you and I are closer on this than I realized. I, um, yeah. I, I will go one small step but i think significant step further and i want your reaction to this see i don't i don't believe we've proven collusion at all and i'm not sure that trump is capable of collusion i'm not sure that i'm not sure that the and and, and that's not a compliment i i I mean i think i I just don't think he was competent enough and i don't think his campaign was competent enough but that doesn't mean it it couldn't have happened but here's where i i get really upset with the hypocrisy of so-called conservatives because if we had the following data points about Obama or Hillary on this, this is all we would be talking about. I mean, yeah. I, I mean I'm talking, yeah. and you know which ones, but I want to just name a couple of them. We have Trump during the campaign begging WikiLeaks to to hack in to get more emails. All right, we yep. we have him c- continuing to praise Vladimir Putin on numerous occasions to absurd degrees we we have him showing as you've said no concern at all for whether or not russia hacked uh into our election and influenced that election we have him firing michael flynn because he lied about the nature of his contact with a top russian official we have set we have manafort we have carter page we, we might have uh, uh, Kushner uh, with uh, similar contacts. We have Sessions twice, twice lying or, or deceiving uh, about contacts with top Russian officials. And, and so when you add all of this up, and by the way, then, of course, we have him firing the FBI director and saying publicly and to a Russian spy in the Oval Office that this was to stop the Russian investigation. Now, if all of those data points existed with Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, what would be the reaction of conservative talk radio, Joe? John, you're spot on. And to me, this is the most disgusting thing that conservative talk radio and Fox News has done, which is to basically say Russia never happened, to to basically say Russia doesn't exist. That's what they say. I mean, you and I, I get pissed off at CNN because it's Russia, Russia, Russia. 24 7 mm-hmm. but fox news and con- too many on conservative talk radio ignore it and if it was as you said if it was obama and hillary man we'd be charging the white house it's it's disgusting to me. yeah and well well joe I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation because um you're you're literally one of a kind you're, you're about the the biggest uh, trump supporter i can find who does it in a rational way and is willing to accept i may not uh, last ziggler i may not last i'm telling you well, I, I hate to break it to you, but you probably aren't <laughs> going to based upon having nothing to do with you. In fact, if I'm right, you should take it as a badge of honor, Joe, because uh, because at least you will have been the guy who fought the good fight uh, and a fight that I can respect. I don't agree with, with all of it because I, I think you're giving him too much benefit of the doubt on some things, but I understand yeah. it and I respect it. So I, you know, that I can deal with. I can deal with a guy like you any day of the week. It's the, the, it's the Hannity's 
of the world that, uh, yeah. that I just yep. can't. So I really appreciate you spending the time, and, and let's do this again sometime. Thanks, John. I've loved it. Thanks, that, man. That's a former Congressman Joe Walsh, uh, nationally syndicated radio talk show host uh, on the uh, Salem Radio Network. Uh, so, um, boy, that was interesting. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. All right. So as usual, is as always is the case with regard to our podcast, we only ask uh, two things of you. The, the first is that if you enjoyed this, if you think it's an important discussion, make sure you share it via Twitter, Facebook, what have you, word of mouth. Uh, and if you tag me on uh, whatever it is you share, I'll be sure to retweet it or or uh, reshare it on Facebook, what have you. So really, we appreciate that because it's the only way people are going to find out about uh, what we do here, which we think has value, obviously, which is why I do it for free. Uh, the second uh, thing I ever ask of you is really in your own self-interest. If you're one of those people who sleeps and when you do, you use sheets, make sure you pay attention to this important message. Till next week, I'm John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.